0: My friends, welcome back to another episode of the Shema Podcast, and an episode I was not even planning on doing. What happened was I invited Rabbi Ari Wolbe over to record a podcast that we had been planning on doing, and I had a question. I needed his advice, and I needed his advice on something that I was being very challenged with. It was a struggle I was having, and so... Before I began to explain to him what this challenge was, I decided to hit the record button because this is the nature of the Shema podcast. When I'm struggling with something, when I have questions, to share it with all of you in case you are struggling with it as well. So I hit the record button and shared our conversation. I hope if this is something that you struggle with, that you'll find this conversation I have with Rabbi Ari will be as meaningful and as helpful as I did. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwined through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. All right, Rabbi, I appreciate you being here. I know you came into the Shema podcast so we can discuss another topic, but I had a question, something I'm struggling with, and I figured the entire nature of the Shema podcast is that wherever I'm struggling with and whatever questions I need to answer for myself that I want to share it with the audience as they may be struggling with it as well. So here I'm going to, I'm going to just throw out on the table what I am just really challenged with. One of the things that I have been really having a difficult time with is I know it's it's so important that I study Talmud. And I have this amazing Harusa Rabbi Konovich, that is there to teach me. So a, a couple of things with that. One is often now I'm I'm working late. A lot of the reason is is because I'm teaching the class on finance investments for the boys between four and five. I come back and I got get more work done. Sometimes I'm working to nine o'clock at night or later, but sometimes I wrap up at eight. I'm ready to go in time to get over the call. I'll meet him at 815. But sometimes I'm so tired because I've been up since five and I've been blowing off that study opportunity because I just, I can't get myself to go. I'm just I'm worn out. And I, I know the Almighty wants me to go there. That's one. And I, I, I know I need to stop doing that. I got two nights a week with him. I need those two nights. The other thing, though, is that it's very frustrating for me is because I'm, I just don't pick it up. Like, he organizes everything in his mind so quickly. And I actually went out and I bought the track that we're studying— Because I have to, before I go in to study with him, for one, I need like a little 20-minute power nap and a cup of coffee to get ready to go to keep up with him. But two, I've learned this. I have to review everything we've learned and then I have to study ahead. And even then, it helps me, but it's like at the tip of my fingers, I see how everything's being laid out for me, but I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just like not able to organize the information neatly. And it's like, I keep... Asking, I'm like, why? Why are you making this so difficult for me? And other subject material, I'm able to organize the information, put it together, make sense of it. I can see it. It's just like right at tip of my fingertips. That's one. The other is this desire of mine to learn Hebrew it has been going on for quite some time. Although I continually back away from it because it's like I could be learning Torah or I could be learning what sounds these letters make and putting them all together. But this year. You know, I guess a year ago, I really like committed myself. And as far as like reading goes, you know, I'm incorporating more and more prayers in Hebrew and with the Shimon Ray, because I know that's so vital to say in Hebrew, I've gotten myself up to Mishpat and then I have to switch to English, although the, the Brock I say in Hebrew in order during the repetition, everyone's already sort of midway through the repetition. So at least I see a path forward. Yeah, I see, like, okay, I keep adding one. This week I'm gonna add the next one and keep adding and adding. However, I'm still not learning how to read. It's more, I'm doing it so often, it's memorization. Because whenever I read something for the first time, it's so slow. I mean, it's not like when I get an email from work, I'm like, oh, I haven't read this before. I gotta slowly enunciate everything and put it together. But so that is still like just a struggle. And then I'm studying with with Matt David. on Shabbos, and he's like picked up comprehension and we'll be studying something. I'm trying to like remember what the words meant. He's like, do you remember the Shoros? We studied two parshas ago. And I'm like, no, I forgot. I forgot, you know, and then the other commitment I make is Rabbi Jacobian, when we did a podcast together, he instilled in me that you have a responsibility to be a scholar. You can't just go to locket questions and just be ring Rabbi Ari every time a question comes up. You need to know the construct and be able to make decisions on your own. So I bought this beautiful set of Bura. All right, I need to study this. But sometimes it's just like reading like what I'm studying right now. It's not, it's hard for me to get myself to study this. And I'll tell you something. There's this book I'm reading, which like this to me is like ice cream. Nefesh Hachaim by the Rav Chaim of Volozhin. Like it's ice cream. But I picked this up on Shabbos morning. And I knew I had, you know, Bava I had the Mr. Barua sitting here on my desk. It's like, you got to get... This is your catch-up time, right? But I picked this up, and I bookmarked this page because this is what he writes to me. I felt like it was writing to me. There are many sincerely devout people who occupy themselves almost exclusively with the study of books on piety and religious devotion rather than making the study of Torah their main concern. They shy away from Torah and halakhic texts. May God forgive them. They mean well, but this is not the way toward attaining the light of Torah. And I turned the page, and a few pages later, but I kept reading, even though I knew, like, this is like Hashem telling me, like, put this down, read what you need to read, right? And then I started reading a little further, though, and it, it basically was Rabbi Yacobian's words, like, when you go to Shemayim, like, what what Mishnah did you learn? Well, right? And I finally put the book down, and I bookmarked that one page, so I keep coming back to it to remind me, just. Stick to it. So he, here's my question. So frustrating. It feels like the Almighty is telling me, you are not a vessel to receive the light of studying Gemara And you are not ready. You're not a vessel to speak to me in Hebrew and study my Torah in Hebrew and pray to me in Hebrew. Like I'm struggling. Like this is for you. Why are you making this so difficult? Why can't I not remember a Shorosh I learned two weeks ago? or an hour ago, when I'm trying to learn how to read and dive into you in your language. It's just, it's like, I feel like I'm being pushed back because I'm not ready for something. So that's where I'm holding. I don't know what's the, my Yetzirah or what's Hashem. Help me out here.
1: Then you're such a beautiful person. And I love your question. And I love the raw authenticity of your struggle. And I, I envy it. I think it's beautiful. And it's definitely admirable. Let me share with you some of my personal journey. Okay. When I arrived at Yeshiva in Israel at the ripe age of 15 years old, I went myself, I got on a plane to Israel and I was completely in, I was completely out of my environment, out of my element. I was in a totally Israeli Yeshiva. I was an American I played ball most of the day in my ninth grade. And here I am, 10th grade in Israel. These guys don't know what ball looks like. Right. And these guys were learning through pages of Talmud like it was a New York Times article. And for me, I was breaking my teeth on reading a word. Couldn't translate, didn't speak the language. And it was a very big struggle. It was such a big struggle that my parents were concerned that I was just going to drop out and go to the army. They were terrified. Really? Yeah. And they had a whole backup plan. I only found this out years later. Wow, they had much. a whole backup plan. They were like terrified. He is going to pop, and and it's all over. He's done. And to me, that was never what I thought. It never even occurred to me. What always occurred to me was that this is the struggle that Hashem put me in, or that I put myself in with the hand with the guidance of Hashem. And we don't back away from challenges. And It happened many, many, many times where I'd go to the Aron Kodesh, to the Ark in Yeshiva late at night, and I would cry. That's Hashem. All I want is your Torah. That's it. That's what I want. Help me. Help me, please, Hashem. I want to learn your Torah. Guide me. Open my eyes. Open my heart. Open my mind. And then I once heard a lecture a few weeks later, a few months later. The rabbi said, you know what we say every single day in our prayers? Every single morning. We say, Hashem, we want to. We say, Baruch Ata Hashem, Lakinu Malcholam Asher Kedishanu BeMitzvosav La Asok BeDivrei Torah. Hashem, thank you for sanctifying us with your mitzvahs to immerse ourselves in your Torah. La Asok is like a business. Someone who's in business is in business. They are immersed in it. We want. We ask for Torah study not to just be Lilmo Torah to learn Torah. We want to be immersed in Torah. We want to be consumed by Torah. And perhaps the greatest level one can attain is the level of being completely immersed in Torah. The Chavetz Chaim says to this that, you know, just because the lights are off in a business doesn't mean that they're not in business. The sign is still up. Right now they're closed. They're coming back. At 9 a.m., they'll be open again. Someone who learns Torah, when they close the book and they're not in the study hall, doesn't mean they're no longer a studier of Torah or a Talmud Chacham or a scholar. A person needs to be like like someone who's in business. They're always thinking about their business. Even when the when this, it says closed, they're thinking about what new products can I bring in? What can I sell? What can I put on sale? What can I bring more feet more traffic into the into the business? They're immersed by it. They're immersed in it. That's what we ask for in Torah is to be immersed in it. Our goal in Torah is not to be perfectly proficient in every area of torah oh talmud and mishnah and midrash and Kabbalah. and there's so much to torah it's, but the thirst that you have for learning torah is exactly what hashem wants from us hashem doesn't want us to all be at the end of the game we're all we all arrive at the same place your point a dan is very different than my point a your point b which hopefully at the end of the life uh, at the end of your life you reach is going to be very different than my point B. And you have to take your journey and embrace it and love it and recognize that your struggle is going to be very different than everyone else's struggle. My grandfather, of Blessed Memory, Rabbi Shlomo Wolby, I've heard him say this multiple times. When he was in yeshiva as a young student, he had a passion and a love for Musar study. And he would hear a discourse, a lecture from his rabbi, Rabbi Rucham, And he would also hear a Talmud class, from the other rabbi in the yeshiva. And he always had this dilemma. Which notes should he take first? Which one should he review first? The Musr study that he so much loved or the Talmud study that he loved, but it was not as much of a passion. So what do you think his answer was? He probably went the one more challenging. He went with the one that was more challenging because the one that's more challenging, you're never going to get to in your free time. Right. But the one that you love, you will find time for it. And it's like what you said with the nefesh achayim. You're like, okay, I'm going to keep this here as a reminder to go back to what is less attractive to you. We all have areas of Torah wisdom that are more exciting for us and less exciting for us. That's perfectly fine. Hashem created so much variety in the Torah where everyone can find their sweetness, their area where they, their, their passion comes forward. That's what Hashem wants from us. But the part that's not our passion is also Torah. And it was also given to us. So even Talmud, which by the way, tractate Babakama is one of my favorite tractates because that's the tractate I broke my teeth on and I forced myself to write an elucidation to the entire first chapter of the book of of the tractate of Babakama. I had to do it because that was part of my, and, and there were times, I'll tell you, there was times I was struggling so much. When I first learned my first piece of Tosafot, which is on the outer corners of the page, on the outer layer of the page. I remember the first time I understood the question of the Tosafot. I got up from my seat and I started dancing. And my study partner said to me, what are you so excited about? I said, don't you get it? Do you understand the brilliance of this question? Like, get excited. This is so amazing. Get up and dance. This is like, I couldn't couldn't control myself. He says, "What, what do you mean? I've been learning this since I'm in sixth grade. Like, you know, like completely unemotional, (laughs) completely unexcited. I'm like, I hope I never get to that point in my life where I'm not excited about Torah. So, the passion that you have is the most powerful and most incredible asset to Torah learning. There's nothing more valuable than that passion that you have and that frustration that you have. Harness it, lock it in, keep that frustration there to always push you and drive you to do more and more and more.
0: Rabbi, for me, the only pieces of Talmud that I've studied where I totally understood the argument is where the following statement by the one of the sages is,
1: but why even say that? It's obvious.
0: <laughs> Those are the ones I get. <laughs> right, so so let me tell you.
1: So first is I, I, I see in you the modern day Rabbi Akiva. You know, Rabbi Akiva started his journey at 40 years old. I believe you were 40 years old when you first took on your journey of, of, of Yiddishkeit and Judaism in, in a serious way. So I commend you for that. And that's really a, uh, big, big, huge shoes to fill. But perhaps there's something that I can share with you about what is Talmud and what's the purpose in Talmud. We have to understand that Hashem has very clear instructions in His Torah of exactly how one should conduct themselves to maximize life. So the Torah is very clear. In fact, these Torah portions are, are the easiest part because it's just stories, and it's beautiful stories, and it's very moving and touching stories. You look at the the struggle with Yosef and his brothers, and you look at everything. It's it's like I don't know. I get I get what we call in Yiddish far klempt. I get I get emotional. It's it's really a touching story of what's going on over here. The struggle that Yosef is dealing with, always rising to the top as well, notwithstanding his challenges. Yosef is one of those who learns from his mistakes. In a very serious way, I'll give you just a quick example. You see that this week's Parsha, this past week's Parsha, Yosef interprets the dreams for the baker and for the butler. Next week's Parsha, he's going to reveal, this. actually this week's Parsha already, he's going to reveal the interpretation for Pharaoh's dream. But there's a very big difference in how he does that. When he interpreted the butler and the baker's dream, He just interpreted it. When he interprets Pharaoh's dream, which is after two years of an extra imprisonment because he lacked the proper level of trust in Hashem, what happens? Now he realizes everything is from Hashem. And the way he interprets the dream, he says, if Hashem gives me the ability to interpret the dream, then here's your interpretation. It's not me anymore. Right. And we see a perfect example of how he took the lesson from the previous episode and changed. And I think that that's one of the most remarkable lessons we can all learn from Yosef. There's nothing wrong with a person who makes mistakes. But there is something wrong of someone who doesn't correct and learn from his mistakes. It's okay. We all make mistakes. We're human. Hashem doesn't mind the mistakes. Hashem minds if we don't correct the mistakes. And Yosef is an example, a perfect example, He didn't make the mistake a second time. Right. He learned from it. So the Torah gives us many of these stories and gives us all of these rules and instructions. And if you look at the Torah, there's 613 commandments. But if you look in Halacha, look at the Rambam, look in the Shulchan Aruch, which is the conclusion of all of the discussions of the Talmud. We'll get to it in a second. There are about 613 million laws. How to wash your hands and how to hold your hands and how to hold the cup and how to... So every single law, it, I mean, you, you put it down in numbers, it's, it's in the millions of details. Yes. Who taught us those details? Ramam didn't make them up. Where did they come from? Well, Moshe taught us. We have the written Torah, which is the 613 principles. And then we have the elaborations and the details of every single mitzvah, which over the 40 years that the Jewish people were in the desert... From when they received the Torah till Moshe died, Moshe elaborated on every single detail of the Torah. Those elaborations are what show up later in the Mishnah. The Rambam writes that those notebooks, Moshe's notebooks and Aaron's notebooks and his son's notebooks and all of the, the prophets' notebooks and all of the scholars and the, all the elderly wise people, all of those notes were collaborated by Rabbi Nasir, Judah the Prince, was the leader of the Jewish people, and he put together in his, say, godly wisdom that Hashem infused in him, the six orders of the Mishnah. And the six orders of the Mishnah, what's brilliant about it, is that it's all in a form of discussion. The Talmud then goes and tries to decipher what is written in the Mishnah. And what the Talmud is doing is basically being the proofreading and the checking of the authenticity of the Mishnah. It's not, we're not questioning it. We know it's true. We know it's real. But you've got to prove it. And the Talmud goes through the toilsome challenge of finding the source for everything the Mishnah writes. So the Talmud is not onto its own. It's very difficult to learn Talmud without knowing how it relates to the Mishnah and how it relates to the Torah. Every piece of Talmud starts with the Mishnah. And what the Talmud does is ask questions on the Mishnah so that we can arrive at the truth, at the bottom line. What do we do? Why is the Mishnah written in this form? Why is this word in the Mishnah? Even the, 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 the detail and the scrupulous investigation on every single word of the Mishnah, almost like we do for the Torah. It's much more serious than the Torah, because that's a godly document. So is the Mishnah. Mishnah was given through Ruach HaKodesh, through divine inspiration that Rabbi Yehuda had, Rabbi Yehuda Anasi, And then later on, the sages of the Talmud, how they decipher every single word. It's not just a bunch of rabbis making up rules and having arguments. The goal is, let's get down to the bottom line of the truth. We're investigators. That's why many of the legal minds love Talmud, because this is exactly how they would ask questions in a deposition. This is how they would treat a a lawsuit dilemma that stands right in front of them. So... As Rav Himes was saying in his book,
0: this is where the true light of Torah comes from, the, this type material, which is why it's even more frustrating to me, Rabbi, when I'm having a, such a hard time you know, really comprehending
1: and understanding what so I'm learning. I, I want to give you two, piece, two, first, two things. Firstly, is that we are accustomed in our culture to deal with the bottom line, just tell me what to do. You know, my grandfather told us Whenever you have a halachic question, don't run to ask a rabbi the answer for the answer. Right. Look for it yourself. Because in the process of looking for the answer, you will learn 20 or 30 more laws. You, you open up, you're like, oh, that's a law I never knew. Okay. Nah, but that's not what I'm looking for. And then you open up again, and that's another law you didn't know. And it can happen 20, 30, 40 times you open up a page till you find what it is that you're actually looking for. And you know what? And sometimes you may not find it. And you call up the local rabbi. It might be Rabbi Nagel, myself, whoever it is that you choose to, to ask, who may have learned it before. Or if they're honest and they didn't know it before, they'll do the research and get back to you. There's nothing wrong with not knowing something. But as Rabbi Jacobian was
0: saying, I need to be able to go through this exercise and not go running to you guys whenever I have a question. Correct. And I'm looking at this, this text, Mr. Brewer, that that's just Shabbos. That's just Chavez. It's a lot that I was sort
1: of like, this is what I'm going to get through this year. And I'm still working on the first book. Can we zoom out for a second then? Can you realize how amazing it is that this is the problem that's bothering you? There are people who are there bothered by every other nonsense in the world. And what's bothering you is the Torah. How praised we are! How blessed we are! That this is our problem. That this is our frustration. So I commend you for that, because that's the really what we all want to be: is be great people who are bothered by Torah. That that's what bothers us. I, I appreciate that,
0: and I'm 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 glad I'm aware that is the task at hand. Although when you read like the text in that book, where when you go to Shmaya and you're asked, "What did you learn?" And the Almighty has expectations for us. And we don't want to feel embarrassed and ashamed that we did not accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish. Granted, I didn't know anything. I didn't even know the Torah was real until the age of 40. But I'm 53 now. Right. You
1: know, I mean, there's a lot to accomplish. God willing, you'll be blessed with another 67 years of good health. Amen. And you'll be able to continue to fill those years with Torah Enriched Torah uh, learning and the most awesome revelation of clarity in the Torah. You know, the Mishnah says, The Mishnah tells us in, in Ethics of Our Fathers, in Pirkeavos, it says, The job is not to complete the task. The job is not to finish and know everything, but the job is to never stop pursuing everything. Meaning, yes, our goal, yes, when we come up to the heavenly courts, they're going to say, hey, Wolby, what did you do with your life? Do you know the Torah by heart? Do you know the Mishnah by heart? Do you know the Talmud by heart? Do you know the Halakha by heart? Do you know all of the Rambam? Do you know? And I, I'm going to say, no, but I tried. In what way did you try? You understand? So the, yeah, we might not have the answer of every single question in the Talmud. Not only that, you think about this. Do you realize that there are, I don't, I don't want to depress you, but there are about 150,000 books on the Mishnabrurah itself. Okay? Asking questions and giving answers. i mean, you, just, you just look at, at modern day, you have books on, yeah, I, see, I see behind you, you have books of, right, all, all of these books that you have, they're all trying to decipher what the Chafetz Chaim wrote in the Mishnabrurah. You have the laws of blessings, and you have the laws of Shabbos, and you have the laws of, of Eruv, and you have the, I mean, you, you, it's endless, Books and books and books and books. Do we know them all? Well, the goal is not to know them all. The goal is to never stop pursuing them all. Okay, so some practical advice that I could use.
0: You mentioned, which sounds amazing, that when you're studying, the same thing I'm studying right now, you sit there and wrote it out. out. I would love that. However, it comes back to this whole time constraint because I, I am busy with other things throughout the day that I can't get away from. It seems that I'm, in a lot of people, is I'm not in yeshiva. I have business responsibilities. I, I like that I'm teaching this class for those boys. I mean, it's a, my way of giving back to the community because everyone does everything for me. I felt like a, just like a beggar with everyone always helping me out, doing things for me. It's like that's my way of like doing something and feeling whole. But other than more coffee, sometimes at the end of the day... Eight o'clock, I'm just like, and maybe I just need to get myself there. You know, I found that when I just push myself there, once you're there, it sort of changes everything. Right, the energy. Yeah. But the, the Hebrew part is what's really, like, why, like, I tell Hashem, like, why, like, I'm trying to, I want to pray to you in
1: Hebrew. Is that what you want? So just from the halachic standpoint, you can pray in any language in the, you you like. Yeah, Except but, for the first verse in Shema, everything can be in every language, in any language. Mishmon Esrei. That was, that was written out where
0: the, those Hebrew words, those Hebrew letters are pretty sniffing it from everything I've read.
1: That's correct. But if someone doesn't speak the language, I mean, it's, it's perfectly permissible and encouraged for them to say it in the language they understand. Because more importantly than the words being recited in Hebrew is for the expression, for the emotion that goes along with it to be, to be pronounced with our heart. Okay. Okay. Final question,
0: and then we'll move on. But
1: it just seems this
0: is the conversation I had with Hashem. Why doesn't He make learning Hebrew for me easier? So when I hear Shorashim, like oh, and then the next time I remember, that I learn a new
1: one, I learn a new one, I learn a new one. Why does He give me just great memory? Let me ask you a question, okay? How easy do you think it would be for you to learn Russian right now, or Spanish? I've never learned another language, or Japanese. I don't know, and learn the Shorashim, the roots. Of the <laughs> I'm sure I would struggle with those yeah just so as much say for 53 years you've been speaking exclusively English and reading exclusively English you're, tra- you're retraining your mind to learn a new language. It's completely understandable that it's so challenging. Look, the first w- letters I've ever looked at in my life were Hebrew. So it's very di- it's a different challenge and it's still not easy by the way. It's not easy you know I see children I see even adults struggling with Hebrew who grew up religious. Who grew up in 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 a house of, of Torah observance? It's not an easy language, because. But take a step. Don't be frustrated. You've got this. One step at a time. You're ready. Halfway through the Amidah. It's amazing. My only my only word of advice is don't forget the focus and the intention of the words you're actually saying. You're saying it in Hebrew. Great. Remember what it means. Remember what it is that you're praying for. Right. Okay. All right. Keep it up. Thank you, Rabbi. Struggle is real. Okay, struggle is what it's all about in Judaism. It's not. A, I'll tell you just another beautiful idea. We say it, last week's parsha. It says that Yaakov went back, and he was alone, and he met the man, and he was struggling with the man till when? Till Till the morning. Till the morning arose. What does it say about? Say, just tell us. Va'yavik is. It was dust. He was struggling, but they kicked up a dust. There was a struggle there. That's it. It doesn't say that he won the battle. It doesn't say anything. It says that they struggled. And it says that that fight went all the way to the heavens. Because what Hashem wants is the struggle. He doesn't want the victory. You're in the struggle. We are in the struggle. That's what Hashem wants. Okay. Yeah, keep that fight. Keep that fight. The struggle itself is pleasing to him. Exactly. The struggle that you have right now is making Hashem glow. Hashem is like, ah. Look at my children. Look what bothers them. What bothers them is how difficult it is. Ah, beautiful. That's what bothers them. Okay. Okay. All right.
0: And that's okay. that's what I'll focus on then. All right. Well, thank you. I know I, you didn't come in here for
1: this it's uh, fine. question, it, it, but I, it, I appreciate the podcast onto its own.
0: I, I'm glad I was able to share this with the listeners as well, in case anyone else is struggling with this as well. Thank you, Rabbi. My pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.